Oh, g'day team. Hope you're bloody terrific. Welcome to another installment of life. Before we kick off this, I want to say to you that um, uh, in the same vein as the conversation I'm about to have with you, I had a longer version um, just before, which is also being posted today on my other show, which is The You Project. So it's about the same topic, similar conversation, but it is a significantly expanded, it's half an hour a significantly expanded version of what I'm about to share with you. So listen to this. If you think this is interesting and you want to dive in a little bit deeper, then go over to the U Project and have a listen to that. But just quickly today, I mean, it's not going to surprise you when I tell you that, you know, the guy that's doing the PhD in neuropsychology and the guy that's been talking to people about thinking habits, behaviors, outlook stories for decades is fascinated with the mind. I don't understand the mind. I understand the mind a bit. I don't think that anyone in the world truly understands the mind in its totality. I don't even know if that's possible. I think the capacity that we have to do amazing things with our mind is beyond what we can comprehend. I think the mind is uh, largely untapped. To understand the mind is difficult because the tool with which we analyze the mind is the mind. But we definitely know that the mind and emotions, so psychology and emotions and physiology, the body, are all intertwined. And I am um, I'm fascinated, obsessed perhaps, with the kind of results that we can produce in our body when the starting point is our mind. Um, and I want to share with you just a, a study that was done in Canada a few years ago. And the study was, um, it was done with 46 people. It was done this way. So these people were put in um, uh, a fasted state. They came in a fasted state, so they were hungry. And when you're hungry, you have a hormone in your body that's floating around. It's a gut peptide. It's called ghrelin, spelled G-H-R-E-L-I-N. And so when you're hungry, you've got lots of ghrelin floating around in your blood, and then you might eat like a little meal, like, I don't know, a little snack, 200 calories, and your ghrelin levels would go down a bit, but it would still be elevated um, uh, if you're still hungry, I would think. But if instead of having a small snack, you had an 800 or 1,000-calorie meal, your ghrelin levels would plummet through the floor and you would have very little detectable ghrelin in your bloodstream. So when we're not hungry, when we're full or when we're satiated or when we're satisfied, ghrelin levels are low. When we're hungry, they're high. That's the that's all you need to know. So the objective of this test was to test whether or not physiological satiety, in other words, that, that genuinely feeling full as measured by the gut peptide ghrelin could vary depending on the mindset in which one approaches the consumption of food. In other words, is how I think about this food, is it possible that how I think about this food could um, impact the way that my body processes the food and things as specific as ghrelin response or ghrelin levels, which basically is the hunger hormone, right? So they got 46 people and on two different occasions, they gave them a milkshake. So the first time they gave them a 300 calorie a 380 calorie milkshake, the second time 380 calorie milkshake. But what they did was on the first time when they had that milkshake, remember everyone came in hungry so their ghrelin levels were high. Uh the first time that they came in, they told them that it was a low calorie shake. It was a healthy, sensible 140 calorie shake. 
Um, and the second time they came in, hungry again, they had what they thought was a high-fat, indulgent, yummy, burger with the lot, 620-calorie milkshake. So what they actually had first time and second time was a 380-calorie kind of middle-of-the-road milkshake. What they thought was one time they had 140-calorie, low-fat, low-nutrient, lower-nutrient in terms of density uh, milkshake, and on the other occasion they had 620 calories. But in truth, they had the same thing both times. And you probably figured out what I'm going to say to you. So what happened after they had the alleged high-calorie shake, their ghrelin levels, that is their satisfaction, like their fullness trigger, it the ghrelin levels dropped, saying that I've had lots of calories, I'm full, um, and ghrelin levels were very low. Conversely, when they had the, in inverted commas, 140-calorie drink, which wasn't really, but they thought it was, the ghrelin levels stayed quite high. There wasn't much of a change at all. Now, what's incredible about that is obviously they drank the same thing both times, but they believed each time individually that they were having something different. First time, full fat, lots of calories. Second time, low fat, not very many calories. And so the, the well, let's read the results. I'll read the results. I've got them in front of you, in front of me, I should say. So the mindset of indulgence produced a dramatically steeper decline in ghrelin levels after consuming the, sh the shake, whereas the mindset of sensibility or that they were having a lower calorie one produced a relatively flat ghrelin response. Participants' satiety was consistent with what they believed they were consuming rather than the actual nutritional value of what they put in their gob doesn't say that it's of what they consume. So here's the conclusion of this university study. The effect of food consumption on ghrelin levels, so the hunger hormone, may be psychologically mediated. That is, we can manipulate it. And mindset meaningfully affects physiological responses to food. So this is not what I'm sharing with you. It's not really meant to be about milkshakes and ghrelin and high and low this. But my point is this. When you believe something in your mind, your body believes it too. And and so, and we quite often get like, for example, when you believe that you're in trouble, but you're not in trouble, then your body, your heart rate, your breathing, your adrenaline, your cortisol, your blood pressure, all of those things will elevate. That's a physiological response based on a lie. And the lie is I'm in trouble. The reality is you're not but your body doesn't know the truth. Uh, sorry, your body doesn't know the difference between what is true and what is believed to be true. Your mind, my mind is fucking amazing. And I'm just opening this door today and I'm using the milkshake study as an example of, and what, what I like about this is this is legit science. This is this is fact. This is data. This is research, right? And that, uh, rather than just be the guy that says, oh, the mind's amazing, it's great when we can use some real-world research and studies to prove a physiological consequence. Professor Jeffrey Rediger from Harvard Medical School has been on my show. I talk about this in the other episode that you might jump over and listen to, The You Project. And he has personally, he, he researches placebos that is essentially spontaneous healing how people have healed themselves with their mind or 
maybe, who knows, we don't actually know the mechanism, but people that had unequivocally, they had terminal illnesses, they were given zero hope of recovery medically. Medically, no chance. What we know about the mind is that we don't know that much about the mind. We think we know a lot. I don't think we do. I think the power of the mind is fucking enormous. Our understanding of its potential is limited. That's all I want to say today. See you tomorrow.